This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Americans with Disabilities Act turns 32 today. The landmark civil rights law is one of the most comprehensive pieces of legislation that protects people with disabilities from discrimination. It also guarantees equal opportunity in the workplace and equal access to things like health care, social services, and transportation. So how has the ADA changed the lives of the 61 million people with disabilities in America? Joining us now to reflect on the ADA's legacy and how we can build on that work moving forward is Benjamin Salentine, Associate Director of Health Sciences at UI Health. Ben, welcome to Reset. Hello, Sasha, and thank you for having me on your program today. Also with us is Karen Tamley, President and CEO of Access Living. That's a disability-led nonprofit that offers support to people with disabilities in Chicago. Hi, Karen. Hi, thanks for having me. You were actually at the signing of the ADA, Karen. So what's on your mind right now as we mark this 32nd anniversary? Yeah, I was. Um, I was living in Washington doing an internship with a disability rights attorney and had the opportunity to be invited to be on the White House lawn to watch um, then-President um, George Bush sign the ADA into law. And... Um, you know, little did I know growing up using a wheelchair, how literally the stroke of that pen would change my life mm-hmm. and the life of millions of other disabled people around the country. Um, you what know, were some I of those changes? Of... What were some of those changes yeah, that you yeah. immediately felt? Um, I think for me, it was like access to public accommodations. Um, you know, I grew up in a time where I had to be carried into stores and restaurants by my family because they weren't required to be accessible. I couldn't ride the public bus with my friends um, and classmates at school because none of them had ramps or lifts. Now I can ride any bus, any public bus in the country. Um, And so the changes that we've seen have been really significant, um, very broad reaching. And I think every year this is a time where I really reflect on that progress that I've seen in my own lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's really what gives me hope. What about you, Ben? What are you reflecting on today? Sure. I think some of the things for me, I mean, inclusion, access, and economic opportunity. The ADA requires equal access um, for individuals with disabilities and pursuing jobs, goods, services, and other opportunities. Um, It's quite possibly the most impactful piece of legislation addressing the disability community. Um, We know the the ADA acknowledges the rights and needs of the most marginalized minority group in the world, people with disabilities. Um, While it has made great strides, as Karen um, mentioned, um, improving the lives of people with disabilities, I think there's much more work to be done. You know, some of the physical, attitudinal, and other barriers um, still remain. Um, You know, it is definitely a landmark law, but there is continued opportunity for individuals with disabilities to partner with legislators at the state, local, and national levels, uh, which will really create a more truly inclusive environment, culture, and society where all all abilities are recognized. It's equally important. And we'll we'll dig into some more of those those opportunities, Ben. And Karen set us up there, but can you talk a bit more about the ADA and its history overall and how it's helped to uh, improve the lives of folks with disabilities since it was signed into law. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's important to understand is disabled people have a very long history of 
discrimination, facing barriers, being marginalized, segregated, institutionalized. Um, and so the, the ADA was really decades in the making. Um, it was really driven by the disability community and disabled people themselves all across the country who had all different types of disabilities, who had experienced discrimination in their daily lives. And, you know, the efforts that were put forth to get the ADA passed, you know, included like um, marches and street actions, protests, testimony, media <laughs> awareness and building about discrimination, um, meeting with members of Congress. Um, you know, it was not an easy law to get passed, um, but it ultimately was um, a bipartisan law that was signed 32 years ago today. And, um, you know, the work that it took to get the ADA passed is something that I think is really important um, for all of us to really recognize and understand. Um, yeah. And Ben, you said a moment ago, there's, there's much more work to be done, right? What gaps do we still need to fill? Sure. I think when kind of um, to answer your question, you know, look at the ADA and its history, um, Stepping back, I think we need to look at what is disability, you know, and at a very basic or surface level, disability impacts 26% of the population in the United States. It can be apparent, non-apparent, acquired, congenital. It impacts adults. It impacts children. Disability is a part of the human experience, really. I mean, um, when taking into consideration the indirect impacts, Disability touches the lives of so many people. Many of the listeners today in the audience could be individuals who identify as a person with a disability, mm -hmm. a parent or a child with a, dis well, a child with a disability, or a son or a daughter or a parent with a disability, or even a caregiver or family member who experiences disability. So the ADA, as Karen alluded to, is legislation that really affirmed the rights of people with disabilities and provides a legal framework and some recourse um, for individuals with disabilities who encounter barriers and discrimination. Um, and while the ADA was created in part by people with disabilities, um, it's, it's still a starting point, I feel, and a step towards a better future. And it has been for 32 years now, mm -hmm. but, there's, but there's still more work to be done yeah. to create a truly inclusive environment. Yeah, the, the fight for disability rights continues. Karen, how else mm -hmm. do you think we can build on the work of the ADA to make sure that, you know, people with disabilities are welcomed and, and have mm -hmm. that equal opportunity? Yeah. I mean, the ADA is only as good as it's complied with and enforced. So um, I think, you know, broader education about what the ADA requires and how that applies to you or your business um, or your operations is like kind of a baseline of what's important. Um, but I also think that there's areas of focus that we need now still 32 years after the ADA. I think the promise of the ADA, um, you know, while a lot has been accomplished, there's still areas need addressing. Um, one, I think is employment, you know, disabled people are twice as likely to live in poverty as those without disabilities. Um, we're more underemployed and unemployed, and even though the ADA does have employment protections, there's still more work to be done um, to build economic opportunity um, amongst people with disabilities. There are a couple of other areas, I think, you know, that are of importance 
um, for us to continue to be vigilant and focus on. Um, the other is the right to live in the most integrated setting and for disabled people to really have access to those home and community-based services that really fall under that integration mandate of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And then lastly, I think technology is really an emerging space where we're seeing a lot of barriers and discrimination. Um, and while the ADA was drafted and passed into law before we really had the Internet, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot more that still needs to be done in that area to ensure that we remove all barriers for people with every type of disability. So those are some areas where I think we still have a lot of work to do. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're reflecting on the successes and the shortcomings of the American Disabilities Act, which was signed into law 32 years ago today. With us to discuss are Benjamin Salentine with UI Health and Access Living President and CEO Karen Tamley. Karen, based on your experience and in your work at Access Living, how accessible would you say Chicago is? Um, for me, coming from my perspective as a wheelchair user, I mean, We've made a lot of progress, um, and I think a lot of it is thanks to, to advocates. We have a very strong advocacy community in Chicago. Um, you know, I think we've made a lot of progress on the built environment, mm-hmm. um, making public accommodations accessible, um, improving our streets and sidewalks, um, our transportation. You know, all of our buses are accessible. Um, there's a real effort now to make every single um, rail station accessible. And um, President Biden announced today a uh, $1.75 $1. $1. $1. $1. $1. $1. $1. $1. billion investment to mm-hmm. continue to make uh, rail stations um, that were built before the ADA, like here in Chicago, accessible uh, to people with disabilities. And so that's a really, really important step forward. Um, you know, I think some of the other indicators of accessible cities are um, you know, housing, affordable, accessible housing. That's right. still an area where we see so much need. Um, and just the availability, availability of services that really support people with disabilities, I would say, are kind of the two areas that we still need continued folks to, yeah. to move the needle and make Chicago fully accessible. Ben, what's your day-to-day experience been like? And sure. what are you hearing from other folks in the, in the community? Yeah, I think this is a great question. Um, you know, while I, I do have personal lived experiences with accessibility in Chicago, um, my experiences are very individualized to my own disability. So I'm a, I have a physical disability. I'm a wheelchair user. Um, so I'm coming at it from that perspective. Um, you know, I think there are definitely pros and cons and certainly work to be done. But yeah, I would definitely defer to, to Karen and Use the floor to her on this one. I'm giving her past work mm-hmm. in the mayor's office with people for people with disabilities, and her current role as president and CEO of Access Living. I mean, she could really speak to systematic level changes in mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah, and and I think she has has made that that clear. And and speaking of accessibility, the Chicago Cubs are, are being sued for alleged ADA violations in Wrigley Field. The U.S. Attorney's Office found that recent renovations left wheelchair users in a worse position. Now, on this program, we recently spoke to disability activist Mike Irvin about this case, and I want to play a little bit of what he had to say. Let's listen. It's supposed to be that people with disabilities don't necessarily have to get to every square inch of the facility, but they do have to be able to enjoy what they have to offer as much as everybody else. So, for instance, if... You have two sections that are 
one is expensive and one isn't. You can't just make the folks with disabilities sit in the most expensive section and pay extra money. Ben, what do you think about this lawsuit? Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't, can't answer that question. I'm a, I'm a Brewers fan, so um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, so um, you know, I think there's, um, I think many of these situations can really be avoided through collaboration and partnership with the vast array of um, disability resources that Chicago has to offer. I mean, the Chicagoland area is so rich in, in disability resources. For instance, the University of Illinois at Chicago is an amazing disability resource. The UIC is home to the Great Lakes ADA Center, a PhD program in disability studies, which is one of the premier programs in the country. Um, UIC has over 2,000 students taking classes in disability studies and offers a new certificate program in disability and law. UIC offers a new cooperative experience or career experience for students with intellectual disabilities. And as the Bodies of Work program, it also has a Disability Cultural Center and a Disability Resource Center. So, you know, these are all great resources that so many other areas in the country really simply don't have. Yeah. Um, that would encourage all businesses and organizations to really take full advantage of these wonderful resources. You know, and, and Ben, sticking with you for a moment, the, the Biden administration announced today that uh, it's releasing the first $343 million of $1.75 billion in funding for accessible transit upgrades to railway and subway stations. What other improvements can be made at the federal level, you think? Um, I I think that's a a good question. I mean, um, there are so many different areas that we really, um, you know, that there's work to be done and whether it's um, accessible online information, um, you know, the physical accessibility that you talked about with the railways and um, you know, there's there's so many areas that we can really touch upon. Um, I think it's, it's just a matter of, again, identifying those and um, making sure we keep moving that needle forward. And again, Karen might have a little bit more to share on, on this topic given her, her role. Yeah, Karen, I have a question for you specifically, you know, because as we've discovered, you know, through this conversation, you know, many people in the disability community, you know, they live at the intersections of multiple marginalized groups, right? Mm -hmm. We've we've touched on this. Access Living, I know, is is seeking questions and feedback from the newly disabled, including COVID long haulers. Mm -hmm. Can you briefly tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think what COVID has shown us is, you know, disabled people were really heavily impacted by COVID. Um, At the start of this pandemic, we saw it was those with underlying health conditions were what we would consider disabilities um, that were at the greatest risk, that were dying at the highest numbers of COVID. Um, now, fast forward over two years later, um, we're seeing a huge emerging population of people living now with what's called long COVID yeah. symptoms, um, which President Biden last year of the ADA anniversary um, came out and talked about people with long COVID um, needing the definition of disability and um, potentially being covered, um, you know, under for ADA protections and becoming eligible for services. And so this is something that we're really paying attention to um, because these are individuals that are experiencing really significant um, impacts on 
you know, their daily life activities, whether it's walking or breathing or um, extreme fatigue. And um, I think this is only going to increase as a real emerging segment of the disability community. And so, again, this is one of the reasons that Access Living is here to is to really also support people in navigating um, what their rights are and what services are um, available to them. That's, that's good Good work there. We'll have to leave it there for now. That's Access Living President and CEO Karen Tamley. We've also been talking with Benjamin Salentine with UIL, UI Health. Thank you both. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast WBEZ's Reset wherever you listen.